All right. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed dinner. We wanted, uh, yeah, yay dinner. Part of what we want to do is uh, when we have meals together, like especially if it's like an annual thing that we're doing for a night like this, we want it to be something you walk in and you're like, oh, this is my church. This, we're doing it right. This is good. If you had somebody in your home, I'm guessing you wouldn't just throw things out. I mean, you might, but you probably will clean up. And that, that's what we want to be here to um, is hospitable. So um, this is how I want us to start our, our time in here. I really, really believe in uh, the verbal praises of God and filling a room full of them as you enter into any kind of thing. So this is a night where I'm going to be sharing some things, encouraging us, challenging us, but also be praying together. I thought it would be great just to start our time together for those who um, desire to, to join me in verbally praising. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to take a few minutes. If you have something, I praise God for this. It could be, um, I praise God because of this verse or this scripture, this attribute about him. Just for a few minutes. I just want us to start with kind of like this moment where we're just putting things first. Like we talked about this one, we're seeking God first. Saying, I praise God for this, for his faithfulness. Mercy. You praise God for Dale. Why are you laughing? Lisa. Yeah, who praises God for Lisa more than Dale? Yes. That's like her biggest nightmare right there. When I, I'm in so much trouble. To, if you're praying, well, you all are praying, people. Pray tonight as I go home because it's going to be a cold, dark night in 18400 Overlook Road. And I'm not helping at all, am I? Just keep going. What else? What else do you want to praise God for tonight? Grace. For the rain, for grace. For this church. For his love. Anything else? Could be anything. Everlasting faithfulness. Amen. For not needing to social distance from your church family. I love it. For community. Hold on, Jeff. Does that mean you still want a social distance from other people? <laughs> Anything else? Just want to throw out their praises to God as we start. Say that again. For God's word. Amen. Worshiping as a family. For the staff, for providing blood of Christ, amen. What was that one? Unchanging, that he's unchanging, the stability of it. The worship team, is that what you said? <laughs> yes, I, okay, for Chris and the worship, got it. This thought was like, for the worship team and Chris. <laughs> Just making sure I understand. A couple more. For the freedom that he gives. 
One more. I know. We can do it. His Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Forgiveness of our sins. There's no one like him. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Become holy and reverent before you, Father. Jesus, thank you for being the head of our church, head of the church. Spirit, for coming and filling us, strengthening us, giving us power. We love you. In your name, amen. A couple things to do up front. Um, I do want to deeply thank you for uh, the amount of love and support that you show to Lisa and I. We deeply, deeply appreciate it. We've been back with you now for a year, a year from March 1st. And so some of you are like, seems like it's been longer than that. Well, it depends what version of Dale that you get. Um, but I want to say one of the things that we was really important when we came back was to have some really good, open, honest conversations with elders before we came back. And they committed to Lisa, like, we want to follow up with you and see how you're doing. And they did. And um, the commitment has remained there for open and honest and encouraging conversations. So I'm deeply appreciative of that. If you don't know who our elders are currently serving, can you guys just stand real quick? These are the elders. This is Dave Henderson over here, and Frank Brigandi, Brian Toombs, Dan Yoder, Promote Hawk. And I'm not sure if Ken is here. Oh, Ken's using his mask that Jeff burned. So he has to use it. So thank you guys. Let's thank you, our elders, for serving and for leading us. I also want to introduce, um, we have a brand new staff member who joined us a month ago. So Jacob, stand up, Jacob. This is Jacob Messersmith. He's our junior high pastor that joined us. He's a wonderful young man from what I hear. Married my daughter, that's why, from what I hear. Well, the jury, I'm just kidding you. We're, we're blessed to have you here. And um, some, as some of the junior hires are finding out, he loves video games as much as they do. And they're all enjoying their time with their pastor online playing video games. No, Jacob. And I have a deep love and appreciation for uh, the staff here. And this staff loves you and pours their heart out for you and serves you so, so much and um, loves you. So we're quick. Can I just have the staff that are in here, all the staff that are stand up, and you guys can just thank them for what they do and who they are. Thank you guys. All right. What, let me start with what I am not going to do tonight. There's a lot of things I'm not going to do tonight, but this is it. I'm not going to be presenting an, ox, an exhaustive explanation of all the direction of all the things and all the ministries we have. I won't be talking much about this past year, even though it was a really good year. I won't be presenting a vision for the next three, five, ten years. You're like, man, what are we doing here then? <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm talking about this year, 2023. And at this point in this year, I'm actually talking about the next 10 months because that's how much we have. What I'm doing, I'll do my best to tell ourselves the truth because the truth is really, really good. 
And that's where we start, as we talked about this morning. An honest, ruthless assessment at times. But let me start here. Uh, this past summer, I was uh, driving to church, and I was very thankful that my drive was now eight minutes and not an hour. Because uh, if you didn't know, I used to work at a church in San Francisco, and that was on a good day, it would only take me an hour. And I had been thinking about seeds and the sower that casts seeds and the seeds in the kingdom of God, because either we, we had just talked about it or we were going to talk about it, it was in my head. And I was driving through downtown Los Gatos on the way from my home to church. It was a really quiet morning. And I drove past the, city, the police station, city hall, and right past the high school. And I had a very kind of clear conversation with God as I was thinking about seeds. And I was thinking that in so many ways I can look at my life. Um, if, if you don't know me as well, I first started here in 1998. At the end of 98, beginning of 99, is the youth pastor here. Um, and I can look at my life in ministry here in Los Gatos with this church in my years of coaching at the high school as great years, and I can kind of rest on those. Look at all the things that I had done. But as I drove by the town hall and police station in the high school, I so clearly heard God say, you have more seeds to throw. You have more seeds to cast out. And they're different seeds than the 35-year-old Dale. They're different seeds than the 45-year-old Dale. There's a version of Dale that visited something that was 55 at the time, and then I had a birthday. So 56, that it's just different. And Dale, if you give the kingdom a chance, it will grow. If you give the seed a chance, you will grow. You see, seeds have this renewal power within them. You know this. They get planted. Things grow. And there's this parable in the book of Mark, I think this is what we were talking about, that references seeds and birds and rocks and kind of depends on where those seeds are landing. Whether it's landing on a hard path or a rocky path or the weeds and the result of those seeds kind of depends on that. And we have this idea maybe that like um, the kingdom of God is this powerful thing that can make like the rocks explode if the seed hits them or that the thorns will burn around all the seeds or when the birds eat it they'll explode because of the kingdom of God is more powerful. And we're like wow that's an amazing thing but the truth about the seeds for the kingdom of God is that it actually begins by submitting and cooperating with him. That there's this submission to Jesus. You see, Jesus was constantly and overwhelmingly casting seeds. Even on the death, I mean, when he's dying on the cross, he's still casting seeds, telling the man next to him was dying, I'll see you soon in heaven. Even in his moments of agony, he's casting seeds. And that was an incredibly moving morning for me. And I think I felt like I was home again. And I, though I started March 1st, it was sometime in August where God's like, there's seeds for this church to cast, and there's seeds for you to cast. And the things of the 75 years this church has done has done a lot of amazing things. But there's more. You see, the creating a vision should be solving a problem, though. I've been working at churches for the past 34, 35 years, which is a very small time in the context of how old the church is, a couple thousand years. But it's long enough for me to wonder. And I, in fact, I'm somebody who wonders a lot. 
And I wonder if we as a local church can be different. There's a lot of things that get passed down throughout the generations of church pastors or attenders of a church that continue to tell me how hard it could be or how hard it is to be a pastor or hard to be a part of a church or just even a faithful follower of Jesus. But I wonder if it can be different here. Assumptions are made, stories are told and accelerated among people about how things should be. What I hear a lot, even heard this morning, someone after service came up to me and told me how much better their church was than this one. And I looked at him and I said, that's awesome. I'm glad there's another church better than us. There's a lot. And then I asked him, what are you doing here today? <laughs> and he said, well, I slept in, so I decided to join your service. And I'm like, may you always sleep, wake up on time from this point forward. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I just blessed him, encouraged him, and told him he goes to a great church. I said, because the kingdom of God isn't about this church or that church or this is better, though we get pulled different places. But I just wonder if we can be different here. Not to be better, just to be different. You see, churches that slide in attendance, like this church has, don't often turn things around either. This was accelerated for this church during the pandemic and different leadership transitions and X, Y, and Z, all the things. And turning things around is hard because it means change. At times, a loss of norms and often churches hang on to what they want and it never actually recovers. And I'm wondering if we can be different, if we can be one of those very, very few churches that not only recovers, but thrives unlike we've never thrived before. We're an incredibly unique part of Calvary's story, a unique time. This church is 75 years old this year. It has had a lot of amazing ministry for a lot of years. It's common to see in many churches in the United States that they can have decades and even specific seasons and moments of incredible effectiveness. And then those churches sometimes go through difficult leadership transition, changes in focus, changes in vision, and they desperately try to recreate the past through, method, through methods of the past, just hoping things will get better. There's an author named Tom Rayner from his article entitled The Six Stages of a Dying Church. He says the first stage for any church to reverse negative trends is awareness, or stated another way, telling itself the honest truth. The exciting news, I think, in the States for us is that there's thousands of new churches planted every year. The tough part for us in the States, there's thousands, thousands of churches that close their doors every year. And many die because they refuse to recognize the problems before they become irreversible. The first two in Tom Rayner's list of six, the first one is this, denial. The church is declining numerically, but no one seems concerned. Fewer people are reached with the gospel, but no alarm sounds. The church's impact on the community is negligible, but life continues in the church like nothing has ever, like nothing has happened. The second stage is this recalibration stage. 
There's a sense that something is wrong in the church, so the church responds in one of two ways. Do more of what we are doing that has proven ineffective. Or secondly, seek a magic bullet program, emphasis, or a new pastor. Try that one after me, please. (laughs) The church does not really want to change. It just thinks it needs an adjustment. There's churches that have broken free from any kind of decline, but to be honest, they're very, very rare. And working in San Francisco, we bought a church from a church that was in decline for decades. And even though it's turned into a good thing, it's tough to see. Now, if you've been around for at least a few years, you may have heard this at different times from different leaders. Those assessments were probably true for that time, even though that assessment was for this church. Because of the seismic shift we just all went through, this is actually for every church. Every church needs to address this. How do we go forward? We need to tell the truth to ourselves about what's happening right now. And the longer any church waits to make substantive changes, the more difficult it becomes to reverse the path. The problem, though, is not a shortage of people in the community that need Jesus. The problem isn't like, oh, we already, everyone's already a believer, we got nowhere else to go. I think the problem is, and I put myself in here, the problem is a shortage of courage, commitment, engagement, and sacrifice. From an article entitled American, entitled American Christianity is Due for a Revival, Tim Keller writes this. While a revival of the church would benefit society, that will never happen if the church thinks of itself as just another social service agency. Christians seek spiritual renewal of the church not because they see religion as having social utility, nor because they want to shore up their own institutions. First and foremost, Christianity helps society because of its metaphysical claims are true. They are not true because Christianity helps society. When Christians lose sight of this, the church's power and durability are lost. What he's saying is, if we believe what Christ said is true, there is power to move forward. If we think we're just one more place for be a benefit to our community, Anything like that will die. What do you think? What direction do you want to head? This past fall, we did a series of teaching. We titled it Together. And what I attempted to do was not just fill six weeks of time or six weeks of services, but what I tried to do was cast a new vision for who we could be as a church. If you missed that teaching or you were here and you don't really remember that teaching, it's okay. It's on our website at calvaryg.com together. We use this verse, these set of verses, to set a direction for our church. Let me read them to you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people. In Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
You see, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We identified these things for our church to rebuild, to remember. The first one is this, is that we are holy people in a broken world. The second is that we, our church, should be marked by grace and peace in a world of cynicism and turmoil. The third is that we must have a powerful partnership despite our culture of individualism. This one might be the most counter of all of them. We must have a powerful partnership despite our culture of individualism. Let that one sink in. We need to be consistent repenters and forgivers. We must pursue opportunities to be hospitable often. And we need to live a life of what I call cruciformity. It's a church that's formed by the, by the crucified Christ. This is a church that loves without limits and conforms to the cross. So to put it into a run-on sentence that I don't expect anyone to memorize, but I just did it anyways. Calvary Church is a group transformed by God to be his holy people that live out grace and peace in their partnership, in their repentance, in their forgiveness, in their hospitality, and their cruciformity together. One of my deepest hearts is that we create a sage culture where the wise are pouring in to those of us less wise, that the generations are pouring into each other. One of the things we've done in the past few weeks, we've addressed the physical gap by coming together into one service. We now need to press into any relational gaps that might be between us at all. But before we look forward to how we're going to move forward in 2023 with some specific things, I do want to take a moment as a part of our annual gathering together to look at our financial partnership in 2022 and what we're laying out for you in 2023. So welcome, my friend, and she should be your friend too. Christy Gill. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Good. Um, I want to just start by saying this is a little different than we do most years. And so I know there are some of you out there who are numbers people, and you want to do a deep dive into this, and I'm going to tell you a few things, and it's going to feel like it wasn't enough tonight, and I want you to know that that's not us trying to hide anything or keep something from you, and if you are one of those people that's like, I live for this time, Christy, when you come and talk about all the things, I know there's like one or two of you. If you're that person... <laughs> Send me an email or grab me afterwards and let's set a time to talk where you and I can just go into all of the amazing things that happen in accounting and finance. And we'll do that together, okay? 
Does that sound fair? Okay. Well, thank you, Dale. Sounds fair to Dale. When we build a budget, when we put a budget together, we do a majority of the work and the development in the fall that precedes that budget year. And so for 2022, we put our budget together in the fall of 2021. In the fall of 2021, if you'll think back with me, we were coming out of the pandemic. I mean, I know we're still kind of coming out of the pandemic, but we were coming out of the pandemic. We had gathered together as a church for a a couple months at that point. We did not have a lead pastor. We knew that one was coming, but we weren't even necessarily sure who that was. And we just knew there was some uncertainty ahead of us. And so as a group of leadership team and elders, we spent some time just really saying to the Lord, what is it that you want to do in 2022? And the thing that we heard very clearly was, I will direct you and you need to be flexible. And so we said, okay, we're going to put together the best budget that we can, listening to what you're saying, Lord, and do the very best based on what we think we're hearing. But we're going to be extremely ready to pivot. And we're going to go into this budget year, as we always should, but particularly in 2022, with a posture of hands held open and saying we're going to be ready to switch if we need to and we're going to wait till we have our new pastor come in and we're going to figure that out together. And so that was how we went into the year. And it's a good thing that we did because about halfway through 2022, it was really clear that the number that we had set for our budget, both in general fund and global fund, were not numbers that we were going to meet. And there was a variety of reasons for that. But because we were holding it so loosely, we were able to pull back and say, okay, what do we need to do? Are there things that we can choose not to spend money on? Are there things that we might do differently? And truly, because of how we were postured from the very beginning, it wasn't hard. And so we made some of those decisions. And then you probably remember at the very end of October, Dale and I stood up in front of you when we were in the worship center and we said, we think we're going to need about a million dollars between now and the end of the year to get to a place where we would feel like we could be healthy as we transition into 2023. I say this almost every year, but one of the amazing things I get to see is what comes in. And so between October 30th, when we said that to all of you, and December 31st, we actually brought in $990,000, which for anyone who's not an accountant, it's pretty much a million dollars, right? <laughs> and that, yes, I mean, let's celebrate that. That's, it's absolutely incredible. To refresh your memory, we set our 2022 general fund budget at $3.3 million. And again, that was in the fall of 2021. The amount that came in was $2,791,734. You can see that number behind me because I given it to you in exactly the dollar amount. And what we spent was $2,889,349. And so I know you guys can do math. You can see that we are a little bit in the red. Expenses came in over income this year by about $100,000. This is the first time in a long time that I've had to stand before you and say that. But what I also want to say is that that's where we projected to be. And so as Dale and I stood up and said, hey, this is what we need to get there, we were pretty comfortable knowing the decisions that we've made over the past decade in some really intentional ways to put us in a position where we knew we could absorb something like this. And so although we find ourselves in a position that we haven't been in in a while, 
we're not in a bad spot. We're going to absorb this well. We planned for it, and we feel good about where we're heading into 2023. So as we go into 2023, and we're here already, the budget we're putting forth is $2,960,000. And you'll see, obviously, that's a decrease from last year based on what we see as ahead. And I think the lesson that we learned is that we can continue to have a posture that says, Lord, what do you want to do and where do you want to go? And we will continue to make decisions based on that. The net of that is that it's going to be a 6% increase over our 2022 giving. When Dale comes back up here, he's going to talk about some of the ways that we are going to partner together and what it looks like to be a community at Calvary Church in 2023. And I say that to you because I feel really confident that this is a number that we can go after and meet in 2023. Now, all of the things I just said for the general fund budget could apply to the global fund as well. We came into the year knowing there was uncertainty and wanting to be flexible and ready to pivot. And the same thing happened where we got into the year and said, you know what, it looks like we probably aren't going to make this budget. The unique thing about Global Fund, which I just want to remind everyone, some of, some of you have heard this year after year from me, some of this may be the first time, some of you have never listened before, but so this, I'll tell you again, it's just fine, and next year too. Um, what's unique about the Global Fund is that it's a carry forward fund. And so what that means is when you give money specifically designated to our Global Fund, on the years that income exceeds expenses, all of that money for Global Fund goes into a separate account, and we track that, and that's what we call our global carry forward. That money is absolutely going to be used on our global outreach and what we're called to do around the world. So we have this fund, and that helps protect us, and we know that. And so McKenna and I talked, and the global strategy team talked, and we looked at ways that we could make some adjustments. And again, the net of that is that in 2022, we set our budget in our global fund at $371,000. $322,398 is what came in. And we spent $362,698. Again, I know that there's a net there. I know that you can do the math. But our carry forward, we planned for that to be a little bit down this year. And so we we're able to absorb that. And what I'm really excited about is that that global fund carry forward number is still over $100,000. So we feel really confident as we head into next year. We didn't spend it all the way down. We're not in a position where we're worried or thinking at all that we're not going to make it. But we set this budget again, looking at things differently, and said we're going to set our global fund budget at $346,385 are very specific in this budget. Um, but we have that set up in a way that we are going to seed the first 18000 of that. We're planning on that coming from the carry forward so that the overall increase in giving to us as a church is manageable and probably around that 5% number. Are you guys with me? We did it. We made it through the number portion. Dale is going to come back up. He's going to continue to talk to us about things like rebuilding and renewal and what it looks like to make decisions together as a church if we move forward. But I will say I continue to be excited about where God is calling us. And I'm so thankful for the faithfulness that you as a church continue to show partnering with us specifically in the finances. Thanks, Christy. I love working with Christy, and I have for a long time, and I'm planning on enjoying working with her again tomorrow. 
want to take a few minutes and try to be as specific as I can as we look forward into 2023. Here's the phrase I'm going to use tonight in three parts. It's this, is that we need to have a mindset of a church planner as we continue to rebuild and renew. The three things, the mindset of a church planner to rebuild the church and to bring renewal to our community. And my commitment to you is the things I share tonight is somewhere halfway through this year, give you an update of how we're doing. What I don't want to do for many years of just a long time been in ministry, there's lots of like, hey, here's what we're going to do, and then we don't talk about it again. My commitment to you is that sometime this mid-year will be like, here's where we're at so far. First, the mindset of a church planner. What I am not saying is that we are replanting this church. What I am saying is there's just something specific about a mindset of a church plant or a mindset of people that are a part of one. Things like prayer. To talk with God about the community before we talk to the community about God. Actively walking around the areas that we're reaching out to. Praying, interceding, walking, being with people. Praying for our town, praying for our city, praying for our schools. Not from afar, but up close. To identify the idols of our society, understanding them so that you can talk about them when you talk about God. The same way Paul understood the idols of his time and could use those idols to talk about God. Mindset of a church planner means they tried new things. They're not afraid to fail. They do things and say, how did that go? They hang on to Jesus, not things. They let go of any sacred cows or things that used to be just to used to be. The aggressiveness and the faith of a church plant goes after this. And our rebuilding for as a church needs to come from this. And what's vital is high engagement of all involved. Every church plant that I've seen do well is a highly engaged group of people believing in what could happen. Not busier, just to be busy, but intentionally engaged. For me, it's embracing that I'm called to pastor this church, but I'm also called to pastor this town and this city, even though they may not realize I'm their pastor. I don't just care for those who come into the church, though I deeply do. I pastor all of those around me. And as a church, you are called to do the same. A church that's focused doesn't hide behind its walls. It gathers together to boldly believe for something different and bring that into the world. We're not looking for a new trend or a new structure because the church that is relevant with people for the past 2,000 years is a church that gathers around tables together, that loves their neighbors and follows the ways and words of Jesus. Rebuilding our church takes increased engagement from all of us. So let me get really super specific. We're identifying a really important time in the first 18 months of anyone's time at Calvary that we want to do really, really well. Pastor Rob is going to be leading part of this initiative. The first piece is this, people intentionally engaging with people, helping them connect to Jesus in the life of the church. 
We need teams of ambassadors from all life stages who call Calvary home, helping those who are new to do the same. This could be a group of maybe 20 to 30 people in all life stages, mobilized to connect with people, maybe in the same similar life stage who are new and want to enter into the Calvary family, connecting with them, encouraging them, just saying, I'll meet with you at church and I'll sit with you this week following up with them digitally or sitting with them at church, seeing how they're doing. This doesn't mean now you're spending all your time, but you are saying, I want to be one of those people that when someone news comes, I'm counted on to follow up and reach out and say, how are things going and how are you getting connected? Because it's enough time, it's enough is enough of just hoping people get connected. We want to do really, really well there. If you want to help get if you want to help people get connected into the community at Calvary Church and be a part of these 20 to 30 ambassadors, email Rob at calvarylg.com staff. Not her, not him, him. That's on the webpage. I mean, you can email Christy and Danny if you want to, but Rob is your guy to email. If God moves and you know what, you know what? I want to be one of those people that helped. Maybe your first 18 months wasn't super helpful. You're a great person to be a part of that. Help us. That's what new church plants do. To develop and secondly, develop and implement clear steps for being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. One of the ways that we're going to invest greatly this year, and I don't just mean with money, I mean with time and focus, is a ministry called Alpha. Alpha, if you were, if you were aware of Alpha in the past, they had a lot of videos that were old and kind of outdated, and they're new and fresh and really sharp. Alpha, their new videos bringing people into engagement with Jesus, the scripture and salvation. Alpha, which means the beginning, it's a great way of watching content, of talking, discussing. And the things that are covered in this course are essential topics for all of us. And if you're wondering if they're essential for you, ask yourself, how would you answer these questions if you were asked, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? How can I have faith? How and why should I pray? How and why should I read the Bible? How does God guide us? This is why this ministry exists, to gather people around tables and have non-confrontational conversations about all of these. So often we look at this as like, oh, this is just for new people, new believers. This is really for all of us, and we need a kind of a reset we're having an intro to Alpha on Sunday, March 12th at 9 a.m. and Sunday, March 19th at 11 a.m. So you can come to a service and go to the intro just to find out what it is. We need people to help lead these groups, table discussions. We need people to be a part of them. As you look at those questions and you're like, I'm not really sure how I would answer that, consider being a part of it. Attend one of these previews. See what it is and how you can participate. Continuing within the first 18 months, we're going to continue having connect gatherings, which we do every single month, where people who are new can come and meet staff. You feel free to pop in. If you're going here for 20 years, stop eating all the food. Just pop in and say hi to people. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm really not. We do these on a monthly basis. We're going to reinstitute starting what we call Welcome to Calvary, Calvary Gatherings whether they're every other month or every three months or so for people to get reconnected or start to be a part of the church. This will be starting soon. There will be times where they're hearing more about how to follow Jesus, how to grow in their relationship, 
what it means to be connected here at Calvary Church. We are a church, if you're not aware, that are led by elders, our staff, and our church membership. And part of our welcome to Calvary, we will hear more about what membership is during that time and how we can be focused on rebuilding and renewing together and how to become a member if you so choose. But here's something I want for you all to hear. During this time of rebuilding and renewal, my desire, what I'm asking is that all current members re-up their membership, declaring, I am still here, let's make this happen. We are not the church of 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. My heart is that we all say, I'm here, let's make this happen. Be looking for how we're going to do that. The next thing is that we're going to do is we're going to create new pathways for more women and men in our church to lead. In Paul's final letter to Timothy, he writes these words, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. One of, the, one of the absolute essentials for our church moving forward is consistently and effectively training, developing, and implementing women and men in leadership here at Calvary Church, and more of them. This includes many areas of ministry here, but specifically we'll focus on areas of theology and overseers and teachers and board members. We've had a bit of, no offense, but we've had a bit of a logjam with some of our leadership, not just having clear opportunities. We're going to make that clear in the pathway and the process for that. We need to be a place where God's people are activated to lead, to serve, and to oversee. The next thing is we need to know each other in order to really love each other. We're going to start this by teaching. The series right after Easter, I'm doing a series called Emotional Healthy Spirituality, Emotional Healthy Relationships. Emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It's not possible for a Christian to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. I've been through all sorts of discipleship programs. As a kid, I got raised in church. I was discipled to do X, Y, and Z, to know this, to know this, be this, and this. I was never discipled in my emotions. But our emotions are so connected to our relationships, which are so connected to God that we're going to dive into that for six or seven weeks. Most of the time, my discipleship experience was just behavior modification, information and rules, not emotionally healthy relationships. We're fooling ourselves if we don't talk about that. We're going to. I want us to build a place of relationships in real community. Now, this is super specific. Person to person on Sundays. Even if it's just one name a week, we need to be committed to asking and remembering one or two additional names a week from people that we see. I'm encouraged so much by newer people that I see and brand new people that are here tonight. And people often being, I've been going to this church for 20 years. I love seeing the new people. I said, oh, who did you meet? In the silence. We can't assume and hope people connect. Ask someone's their name and do your best to remember it next week. And if you forget, 
we go, hey, I'm so sorry I forgot your name. And we build on that week after week. And away from the building, this time with each other outside of Sunday morning is a norm. It should become a norm, not a special event. And hospitality, inviting people into your home, or just meet for coffee, meet at a restaurant, share food, conversation, and meaning. Ask people about themselves more than you tell them about yourself. Partner with someone else to do this with you. If you feel like, I don't want to do this alone, you're like, I know this. This is just stuff. This is how churches start. This is the mindset of a church planter. It's like, I want to spend some time with you. Do you have any time? Ask yourself, who am I or who are we engaging with or hosting this month? It's not just for couples. It's people who are single. Get, get people together. Let them know there's a place for them. Next, increased engagement in serving at our church. As you know, we are gathering in two services, so now you can serve and attend a service on the same day. It's really encouraging for me to see some of our, some, our faithful Sunday school teachers get to come to church and serve the same day. This has also created more opportunities to serve. Um, the ones we already have, places like kids, students, House of Hope, facilities, ambassadors, all sorts of things. But we have one super specific one. And for those who are like, I need something tangible, here's one that's tangible. For our kids' ministry, we have 84 slots. Each slot is one service once a month. We currently have 44, which means we need 40 people to serve during this year of rebuilding. If you can just want to think about the next two, 10 months and then moving forward. We need 40 people to serve once a month to help us rebuild. Can you serve once a month, one service per month to help us rebuild our, our kids' ministry? You can reach out to Alicia at aprice at calvarylg.com. Her picture on the website looks like that. There she is in the red circle. Some of you just need to take a photo. <laughs> take a photo of Alicia and bring it home with you. Can you hear how clear I'm trying to be here? I'm not asking you to give away the rest of your life. I'm saying as we try to rebuild, and we've just made a significant shift in going to two services and bringing services together, we need 40 people who are, want to be engaged in the church saying, I can serve one Sunday, one service a month to bring some love to kids. The next piece, increased engagement from all of us in our financial partnership. So my goal is to tell ourselves the truth for the next few minutes, and it's about our finances. I've known some pastors over the years, this freaks them out. This does not freak me out. Not because I like talking about money. I just am not afraid of talking about money because money, it can just a thing. It can control you or you can control so what is the current state of giving within our church? Not just the total, but how are we all involved? Well, with the pressures of current inflation and projections of future financial instability, we have to go shoulder to shoulder more as we move forward. Each week, you know this, we say our generosity creed to remind us of the need to practice the generosity of Christ. And this is part of living in cruciformity. 
This creed has become a weekly declaration, a reminder of the greater call for all of us to practice the generosity of Christ together. There's this thing that's in so many uh, systems and churches and nonprofits that cause like an 80-20 rule that's so common. Where 80% of the money is given by 20% of the people. Or 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. It happens all over the place. It's true here, too. I wonder if we can be different this next years moving forward. Here's some truth. 75% of people who regularly attend Calvary don't participate in giving in any kind of rhythm or give at all. So why do we have to remain here? And I don't know who those people are. I don't know anything about that. I just know the numbers that are given to me. While it may be true that some can give more than others, of course, but all can be a part of a partnership. Participation or generosity isn't a mark of having a lot. It's just a mark of having anything. Participating in the generosity of Christ together. So I'm asking, can we flip this? Do we just have to settle for another, we're just another church that's 80-20? Or can we be marked by a generosity or an engagement together? It begins with increased engagement. How? Now, some of this could be the same amount. I'm just trying to increase engagement from all of us. If you give annually, I encourage you to give quarterly. If you give quarterly, I encourage you to give monthly. Increase your engagement. Move forward with increased engagement. It's not just about the total at the end of the year. It's about increasing our engagement together with each other and this church and support. And if you're not giving at all, begin to. Look around at the other people in this room. When we give at a church, we don't just give for the things we want, not at all. I'm giving so this young family can have a ministry they so desperately need for their kids, even though I don't have kids. When I give, I'm giving for this ministry to someone who's in a different life stage than me, who desperately needs to be ministered to that's different than me. I let go for the people around me that I'm looking at and saying, this church needs people like this. And this church needs to meet the needs of people like this. I don't give to control it. I give so that my brother is blessed and my sister is blessed. That's why I'm asking you to give. It's not so that we have more money to do things with. It's so that we have resources to help each other. You may not have kids, but you be willing to look at those with kids and say, man, I need something for my kids. We partner together like that. Invest so we can pour into each other's lives. Because when we partner together, we are saying, I believe there's something more for our area. There's something more for the person next to me. If you already financially give consistently and above, man, thank you. So use that time every week when we stand up and say the generosity creed is a, a, a moment of worship for you. I guess what I'm really asking is if we say giving is worship, I'm just asking you to worship more often. I believe we get into this spot every single fall, and I can say this, I believe, because I've been here since 1998. Where we get up in front and say this is what we need, and there's no problem in asking, and there's no problem. We saw God come through again. I'm not afraid of that ever. But if we have an attitude, I'm going to be wait to be asked before I engage, that's a problem. That's a spiritual immaturity for me and for you. And you're like, you're getting a little heavy. Yes, I am, because we're the body of Christ together. 
What if we're not a church that waits to be asked, but we're abundantly just letting go of what we have, even if it's just a little bit? Everybody has different financial situations. I get it. But I remember years ago when Lisa and I were younger, we wanted to be generous. And you know when you're generous? You're not generous when all of a sudden when you have a lot. You're generous when you have hardly anything at all. And then when God starts giving you more, it feels good just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to keep letting go. How many conversations I've had with people that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous once I have a lot, but if I don't have a lot, I can't be generous. You can be ge Generosity isn't the amount, it's the attitude of the heart and letting go a little bit. So what if in 2023 our partnership is consistent and increased in the amount of people involved in the amount given? What if throughout 2023 there's an amazing consistency of all of us worshiping together with our giving on a regular basis? I guess what I'm asking is, will you sit down and plan how you might do this this year? With your spouse or with yourself or with somebody? And I understand this full well that some of you don't know your total income until the end of the year or your tax professional tells you what you need to give before the end of the year to take advantage of all the tax breaks. I get that. And end of year giving is always going to be a little bit more different and praise the Lord for that. But here's what I'm asking you. Will you disconnect practicing the generosity of Christ away from your year-end bonus alone? Will you say, this is my regular rhythm. I'm going to let go a little bit. I'm just telling you, when Lisa and I flipped that ourselves and we said, this is what we want to give, this is what we want to save, and we decided to live off of this, and it took some time to get there. We had to do this. Let me tell you, you're not chasing vapor anymore. What if we could be different? What if this, one of the markings of this church is like, man, I'm a part of this church, and the engagement is through the roof. We're all in this together. I can't wait to go again next Sunday. Just ask God where to start. Like I said, proof that generosity, we are proof that generosity doesn't just happen if you have a lot. It's just giving yourself a chance to be generous. And finally, bringing renewal to our community. We're going to continue our current areas of ministry while individually bringing renewal to our spaces of influence. I think this is the one, one of the main ways in our current day that in our current culture, people will be reached for Jesus through relationships that already exist. This past year, we did a thing called Renewal Grants, where we had 15 people in our church have an idea about a ministry in your area of influence. I was tired of sitting in a room and coming up with ideas. I'm like, let's ask the people. Christy, Danny, Rob, let's ask the people. So you guys, 15 of you came with ideas of how to reach people through school or teachers or homeless and whatever. It's your idea. You wrote a grant. We funded it up to $1,000 and we saw 15 different ministries go out. I would love to see that happen all the time. It's not of a willingness or desire for you to do it. Some of it, we just need the funds to be able to do it. Your increased engagement increases the opportunity for us to have renewal grants all year around. Can you imagine? I'm a part of a church that I have a ministry idea. Instead of me giving the church money, just they give the money back to me and say, do something with it. Who wants to be a part of a place like that? I do. I want to be a pastor of a church that's like, here's a need, fund it. Here's a need, fund it. Probably because I was a youth pastor. And I'm like, I see a need, no funds for you. <laughs> Who wants to be a part of a church like that? The potential for this to expand is directly connected to our financial partnerships. 
The cool things that we're also seeing is that global, our global outreach teams are opening back up. We just sent a team to Mexico. We didn't only send them, they also came back. Praise the Lord. There's a Kentucky Go team going this fall. There's a San Francisco Go team going this fall. We have people headed to Ethiopia this summer to see the potentials and future things there. We're planning a trip to Guatemala this fall to kind of start opening up that relationship again for these experiences to come back in 2024. We're super excited that we can start doing that again. In our House of Hope, we continue to minister to hundreds of people each week. People come for food, ministry, and support. This is truly being the hands and feet of Jesus to the people in our community. And something that I just love to see because my good friend Susie is the director of Kitty Campus and she just lightens my day. The amount of people in our community that are experiencing Jesus through our Kitty Campus, through our preschool ministry, people who would never step on to a church are being reached with Jesus by uh, not just our, we're not just hoping it happens. These kids are being told about Jesus and they go home and tell their parents and the parents are like, that's nice. But some of them start coming. How many, how many kids we got in Kitty Campus now, Susie? Close to 200 families. <laughs> Bring renewal to our area begins with footprints throughout our area. Physically walking the areas and being with people, talking to God about our community before we talk to our community about God. There's a lot of pain and brokenness in our community. There's a lot of bondage in our community. We need to pray that the bondage and chains break. So Calvary, there's a lot more seeds to throw. Who wants to throw some seeds with me? There are more people who need to connect with a person like you. There are more people who are desperately need Jesus in their life, their family's life, their kids' life. I wonder what can happen if we came together with him and with each other. And as I said on January 8th, our first full service in here, I wonder if, if we can figure out how we can sing together, I mean really sing together, what else is possible to do together? We're going into a time of response. It's a bit different from our regular Sunday morning response time. We're going to sing a couple songs together, then a few moments of praying as a group, as a whole group, just praying prayers to God, whatever. Just. And then we're going to break up into small groups just for a few minutes, just to pray for this vision, for this church, for this community, how we can move forward. And at the very end, I'm just going to mention that we have a response card that you're not going to turn in tonight. This card is for you to bring home, for you to consider, to pray over with whomever. And once you've decided this is how I want to engage and move forward, you just tear off the bottom part, you sign it, and we'll have a little jar. You just drop it. And we, I don't need to know these commitments. These commitments are between you and God. That's where all the commitments we talked about. So Chris is going to lead us in a couple songs of response to sing together. And then we're going to have some prayer time together. And then we'll be done for tonight. It's been a, a really special night just to gather as a church and eat. I hope you guys just had some really good conversations. I hope we were able to maybe get to, knew someone, get to know someone new. 
was a lot we just talked about, but we're just going to come before God right now. So if you please stand with me. I think anytime we worship as a church, it's super important just to worship God for who he is, to praise him for his nature, just to focus on him. So we're going to do that together right now. We're going to sing this song. We're going to praise him because he is our God. He is wonderful. He is powerful. So sing with me. Water, you turn into wine. Water you turned into wine You opened the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine
sang the song this morning and we're going to get to sing it again. I think it's extra special tonight because we are gathering right now as a church and we're saying, God, we want to see a revival in this church. We have seen so many incredible things happen over 75 years. But God takes us from glory to glory. He's going to take his church from glory to glory. We're going to see our community impacted. We're going to see the people in our lives impacted by the living God, Jesus Christ. We're going to see lives changed. And it may not always look like we expect it to, but God's going to do incredible things. We're going to get to celebrate that. We're going to get to experience that and partner with him. But first, it starts with us. If we're going to see a revival in our community and in our country, it starts with us. So let's sing this together. God, you see what's hidden under the surface. You see what's hidden under the church right here. You guys are bought in. You are together as one. You're a part of Calvary Church. So if you just, you please just put your hand on your heart as we sing this next part of this song. It's just a declaration. God, I am in. I am for you. I am with you. We have a new hope. We have a new life. We have new wine. We are new. We are experiencing new things. God is doing a new thing. So let's declare this together. New hope. New life. New wine. New
resided in me. One more time as a church, let's sing out. This is our prayer. This is our declaration. This is what we want to see. We have a new hope. We have new life. We are new wine. We come together. Let's sing this out. Here we go. Let's just spend a few minutes as a body. If you can, you can sit if you want to sit. But let's just pray prayers out loud to God for just a few moments here. It could be prayers of repentance, prayers of hope, prayers of vision, thanksgiving. Let's just have a few people just pray out. Just short prayers. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. I will belong. God, give us courage. Father, I repent of the times when I've coasted, when I've gone through the motions, and not that I did it on purpose, I think I just did. So I repent. May that never be the case. 
ever again. Let's now just take a few moments, gather with people around you, and just pray for our community, for our church as we close up time tonight. Um, you don't have to pray. I mean, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not really sure what to do, but just maybe gather around and, and threes or fours or fives and just pray for a couple of minutes and a few people pray out. Can we do that? Can we do that together? Okay, let's break, let's just break up groups of four or five and just a few minutes of prayer together and then I'll say some final words and we'll be done. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this church that we've come and made this never, not just to be the beginning of prayer and conversation. May you move us to places that we can be the church you've called us to be. We love you. In your name, amen. The final thing, Dan's going to come up and close us, but you have a...
this card on all your seats. It's really designed for you, but also it lists the very specific things I talked about tonight. The two areas, real quick, shh, hang in there with me. If you want to be a part of that team that helps us engage and welcomes people really well, help them get connected, email Rob. If you can help us, we need 40 people once a month to serve in children's ministry. It's fun. It's easy. It's fun. It's all wrapped up into one. Email Alicia. Let's just get those taken care of this week. How's that sound? We can be the church that responds. So let's just get that taken care of this week. Dan, will you come close us? Tell them again how much you love me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Come back here. We love Dale. No, 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 no. But let's thank the staff and Dale for putting this amazing time together. Thank you, guys. This was wonderful. This is a, a completely different flavor of a business meeting. I love it. So as... Uh, Chairman, I uh, declare that uh, this annual meeting is now closed. Thank you all. Blessings. Have a great week.